1,000 rings. 1,000 rings. Song battles. Song battles. Meow, 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 Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. If you call yourself a gentleman, um, this is Top 1000 Radio. I'm your host, Chris Naren. It is Friday, and we are we've got a we've got a good show here because we got some some really cool uh, analysis coming from our Counselor of Learning Elders. Uh, but let's get started with, uh, well, this is episode 37, if you didn't know that, and it's uh, Song Battle number 36. And thanks, everybody, for listening. we got some uh, got some new followers. Uh, got my uh, my guys, uh, Quinn from uh, And Volume For All, and uh, my boy from Leonard, uh, Skinner Reconsidered. Uh, in fact, I, I lean heavily on Skinner Reconsidered for, uh, for our song notes today, or at least one of the songs. Um, and, uh, I've been listening to, uh, both of them <laughs> for the last couple of days, quite a bit and, uh, a good, dis- good, good that they're listening and, uh, welcome guys. Always feel free to chime in. Let me know what you think. Um, listen to episode 15. Those of you who don't know what we're doing here. Uh, long story short, we're making the ultimate 1000 song playlist. This is not a, a one genre list. There's a lot. It's it's across genres, um, and sometimes the the sometimes the song battles get a little weird because you'll have you know you'll have Statler Brothers going up. I don't know. If we had them on uh, a few battles ago, and I don't know if they were up against Metallica or not. But that can happen on here. Okay, you can have you know you could have uh, George Strait going up against Iron Maiden. Okay, it's just the way it's a random number generator given me five songs that I, from a list that I made of a thousand songs, just, just brute force, no really thought to it. I just kept adding songs until I had a thousand. And then I looked at it and said, Oh my gosh, look at all the stuff I left off of here. Okay. And so, so the way the show works is we have a, you know, we, we talk a little bit about some news and reviews. We do some song notes. We explain, you know, uh, what the song is and where it's from and, and all that stuff maybe some trivia, and then uh, we have some Council of Learned Elders uh, come on and they give a little analysis, give their rankings, um, and then we have uh, the polls. We, we talk about the polls. Uh, you know, I put polls up on Instagram. I put polls up uh, to friends on Facebook, and I send some out uh, by text, and we discuss, uh, you know, how that came out. And then I give my verdict because it is my list, but I, I can be swayed. And I, I actually was swayed a little bit today on, on one song. Um, and, uh, and then we have the challengers poll. And that is, I have all those bands that I, that, that I did not, you know, include <laughs> that I should have. Um, but that's the way it works. You know, that's, that's the way, that's the process we're going through. Okay. And so uh, let's get started. Again, if you haven't uh, uh, rated the show, if you're following the show and you haven't rated yet, please do so. Give it five stars and, um, you know, share it, share it far and wide. If you know people who like music, okay. I mean, if you know someone, if you know someone who doesn't like music, if you could, uh, I don't know, let me know who they are because, I mean, who doesn't like music? That's, that's just a weird idea who who doesn't like music that's just weird but uh you know if you know people who like music trivia music trivia 
Authentic Fake Radio, which is what we're doing. Uh, you know, tell them about Top 1000 Radio. Uh, I need, I really need to update my my uh, list on Top1000Radio.blogspot.com because uh, well, I had a little scare earlier. My uh, my Excel sheet looked like it hadn't saved, and yee, that was I, I figured it out, but I don't, I, I don't know how I figured it out. That's almost worse is when you figure something out but don't know how you did it. You know that's weird. Uh, but it uh, it has the lists on there, the actual list and the in progress and the challengers list where we get the challengers poll. Uh, and again, I keep saying this, and I'll keep saying it. I would like to see you know your guys's list. I'd like to see somebody else's thousand song list because, you know, part of the reason why I'm doing this is just to discover new music. And, you know, as, as the, you know, as we go on, it's going to take 200 episodes to, uh, to finish season one here. Okay. Season one is going to be about 200 episodes because it's going to take that long to, to score all the songs. And then after we score all the songs, it's going to take another I don't even know. I haven't done the math on it yet. Uh, you know, I've s- sent the, the, the figures off to the Rand Corporation and they haven't gotten them back to me yet. But, um, you know, how we're going to rank them at that point, that's going to take a while too. You know, rank, rank them once they're already, you know, once the list is already set, then how do we rank them within the, you know, within the list? Okay. Um, but it's going to take a while. But, but eventually, all right, uh, the idea is for, uh, people to put up songs against that list and see if they see if they can hang. Okay, <laughs> if they can hang, then they get on the list. All right, and it's got to be it's going to have to be really good because you know those those thousand songs have have gone up against each other. Okay, all right. So uh, let's do some news and reviews. Today is April fourteenth, and on April fourteenth, nineteen thirty two, the queen of country music, Loretta Lynn, was born. And if you haven't uh, drank beer and fallen asleep watching Coal Miner's Daughter, then I don't even know if you could call yourself an American, can you? Uh, then 1945, on this day, Richie Blackmore of Deep Purple, one of the greatest guitar players of all time. And I think it was on uh, In Volume For All where uh, I believe he was talking about how Richie Blackmore didn't, didn't consider playing music to be fun. You know, to him, it was it was work and it was uh, it was gratifying, but it wasn't fun. And I thought that was interesting because he always struck me as kind of a sourpuss. Um, again, awesome guitarist, but uh, really probably not someone you'd want to hang out with and you know go to miniature golf or something like that. Uh, a weird little thing on on this day in 1967, David Bowie released a novelty record called "The Laughing Gnome," and I. I sent it to Emo Sean, and he seemed to be kind of like, he came a little bit upset about it, okay? So uh, maybe, uh, I don't know if he's going to talk about it in, in, on his spot, but uh, we're going to have to get Emo Sean's, um, you know, well, I might have his email here. I have Emo email. If you don't have Emo em- email, uh, you might want to check into that um, because uh, you, can, you can actually get e- emails from Emo's. And, uh, and emus too, I think. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe emo Sean didn't get, uh, oh yeah. He said emo Sean is not amused. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, 
You should put on your pajamas and grab a cup of hot chocolate and talk about getting uh, health insurance, Emo Sean. All right. Okay. And then uh, 1970, Credence Clearwater Revival made their live UK debut when they played the first of two nights at the Royal Albert Hall in London, which came up on last song battle in A Day in the Life. The We know how many holes it takes to fill Albert Hall. Uh, but they, they have a... Um, they have a concert film uh, from that from that concert on. I want to say HBO Max has it. I haven't finished it yet, but uh, but it's it's pretty cool. Uh, and then this one's weird, and then it's crazy because uh, Credence is going to come up on the next song battle, and so are the pretender. The pretenders are going to be on the next challengers poll. Um, in 1983, on this day, bass player Pete Farndon died from a drug overdose. Uh, I don't know why it doesn't say he was their former bassist because they had fired him on June 14th, 1982. And that was two days before their guitarist, James Honeyman Scott, was found dead of heart failure. <laughs> so, And uh, Farndon had been in the midst of forming a new band with Clash drummer uh, Topper Heaton when, when he died. Okay, so sad. I didn't know the Pretenders had so much like Spinal Tap-esque, uh, you know, personnel <laughs> loss. Um, then this day in 1994, Kurt Cobain is cremated at the Blight's funeral home in Seattle. His death certificate lists his occupation as poet musician and his type of business as punk rock, which kind of, you know, people have argued over the years was, you know, was grunge more punk or was it more metal? Um, and it would appear that Kurt Cobain at least considered it to be more punk rock. And that, I always got that that sense from from the grunge side that they 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 identified more with punk rock than they did with metal um but what whatever okay um we'll talk about that more in a little bit all right let's get to our song notes starting with iron maiden Two Minutes to Midnight from the fifth studio album, Power Slave, 1984. It reached number 25 on the Billboard Top Album tracks. It's a protest song about nuclear war written by Adrian Smith and Bruce Dickinson. It attacks the commercialization of war and how it's used to fuel the global economy. With lyric like, the golden goose is on the loose and never out of season. How rich politicians profit directly from it as reasons for the carnage cut their meat and lick the gravy, and how the war concludes. The world is left in far worse condition than before the war began, resulting in future wars and the development of more powerful weaponry. The song title is a reference to the Doomsday Clock, the symbolic clock used by the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, which represents a countdown to potential global catastrophe. Mississippi Kid from the debut album Pronounced Leonard Skinner 
1973. Written by Ronnie Van Zant, Bob Burns, and Al Cooper, a rare writing combination for the group. Ronnie Van Zant called himself the Mississippi Kid, though he wasn't from Mississippi, but he did die there. According to leading Skinnerd scholar Skinnerd Reconsidered, the Tri-Cities reference is most likely the Quad Cities reference of Muscle Shoals, Sheffield, and I forget the other two. <laughs> I, sh- I didn't write it down. Take Me Home, the tenth and final track on Phil Collins' third solo album, No Jacket Required, 1986. It reached number seven on the Billboard charts. The song lyrics refer to a patient in a mental institution, and it's influenced by the Ken Kesey novel One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. While recording Long, Way, Long, Long Way to Go, Collins asked Sting, former Genesis bandmate Peter Gabriel, and Helen Terry to provide backing vocals. The music video, directed by Jim Yuckick and produced by Paul Flattery, features Collins getting into a Ford Popular and singing one line of the song in various places around the world, including London, Paris, Tokyo, New York City, Sydney, Bremen, Memphis at Graceland, Los Angeles, Hollywood, Stockholm, San Francisco, Kamakura, Chicago, St. Louis, and Houston. Filming was completed on location when Collins' subsequent No Jacket Required world tour was staged at the corresponding locale. Backstreet Kids, the opening track on 19... Black Sabbath's 1976 album, Technical Ecstasy. According to band members, Tony Iommi was trying to get a sound more similar to Queen or Foreigner and worried about how the band would be received now that punk rock had taken over space previously occupied by heavy metal, which Black Sabbath invented. Lyrics are semi-autobiographical, comparing life as a rich rock star with being street kids from Birmingham. They're still street kids, but with money. Die For You, the fourth and final single from the 1984 album Purple Rain by Prince and the Revolution. It reached number eight on the charts. The song's lyrics evoke Jesus Christ's message to his followers, you, I would die for you, darling, if you want me to, as well as if you're evil, I forgive you. All I really need to know is that you believe, and I'm your Messiah, and you're the reason why. Right, the, that is our song notes. Those are our song notes. Grammar is my business, and business is slow. Okay, let's get to our couplet battle. 
All right, a couple of battles where I take uh, a couplet from each song and I put them up against each other and see who's got the best lyric. And in this case, well, we'll start with the uh, third runner-up. I'm going to go with Take Me Home. I can't come out to find you. I don't like to go outside. They can turn off my feelings like they're turning off the light. Okay, good lyrics. I mean, all the lyrics on this, this couple of battle are really good. Okay, there aren't any like stupid ones or anything like that. Um, so um, this is really cool. Like like said in the song notes, the song is kind of about being in a mental institution and they can turn off my feelings like they're turning off the light. That's, you know, the, they give you some kind of pill or something and make you make you just kind of comatose. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a sad lyric. It's kind of the song. The song always seemed to me like to be really up, kind of uplifting. Uh, but then <laughs> when you think about the lyrics, they're kind of not. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, my uh, second runner up would be Two Minutes to Midnight as the Mad Men play on words and make us all dance to their song to the tune of starving millions to make a better kind of gun. All right. That's really cool. Um, I, the, you know, the, the lyrics to two minutes to midnight are just, you know, scorching. And, um, you know, I, I, I'll talk more again about this later, but, um, I've probably never been more anti-war in my life than I am right now. When that song came out in 1984, um, I was, you know, a 14-year-old kid. And uh, I thought, you know, I didn't think war was cool. But I thought, you know, I thought the the, the stuff was cool. <laughs> the, the tanks and the bombs and the planes that all, you know. I mean, this is, what, a couple years before... Um, Top Gun had come out. I can't remember if, if, uh, Iron Eagle had come out yet. I don't think so, but, um, I, you know, I love those movies back then. And you know, I like when, you know, Maverick, the sequel that came out. Um, but that being said, um, I really, I really do agree with the, the sentiment there and I'll, I'll get more into that later. Uh, and then my first runner up, so that's going to, so the, the two that are left over are going to either be the winner or the loser, um, would be, I would die for you. I'm not your lover. I'm not your friend. I'm something you'll never comprehend. That would have been my winner. Um, except the song is, you know, like the song that said, it's from the point of view of Jesus Christ. Uh, correct. I'm not your lover. That part is correct. But the, I'm not your friend part. That's, that's not exactly true i mean yeah god is not your friend in the sense that you know your your bestie is your friend your bff tl your best friend forever till later um but but jesus was a friend of sinners <laughs> okay he 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 was he was our friend and he is our friend okay the the third the second person of the trinity uh jesus christ is our friend and he he you know he were to worship him, okay. That's, but that doesn't negate the fact that he uh, became one of us and is acquainted with with our sorrows. You know, I'm getting you know into, but that that's that's the only quibble I have with that lyric. Otherwise, it's a it's a fantastic lyric all throughout. All right, so our winner is either um, uh, Backstreet Kids or 
a Mississippi kid. And you probably are guessing, well, of course he's going to pick Skinner. Okay, well, this time I didn't. I actually, that, the the lyric, I, and it's not a bad lyric, okay? Uh, the the this the lyrics to Mississippi Kid are are fantastic, but compared to the lyrics of the other songs, they're they they're not my deal, okay? Although that song is my deal, okay? Uh, well, I was born in Mississippi, and I don't take any stuff from you. And if I hit you on your head, boy, it's got to make it black and blue, okay? When I was a teenager, I thought that was. You know, oh, that's tough, man. That's so cool, you know. Um, but you know, it's it's still it's still cool. It's still you know funny, kind of. That's really. I think I think Ronnie Van Zant, who was a a pretty violent guy when he got drunk, but I thought what, I figured when he was writing these lyrics, he's he's probably being tongue in cheek. You know, we'll, we'll see. Um, and that, that leads us to our winner, which is, by believe it or not, Backstreet Kids. I love this lyric. Living like I want to don't come easy, but I'm trying. Sorting out what's true and what are lies, it's wise. That's almost you know, like a proverb. <laughs> okay. Um, and so, yeah, I think the, the, the lyrics on Backstreet Kids are very, very interesting because <clears throat> you have this band that was on top of the world invented a whole new genre of music okay they connected with with young men especially in a way that probably no band had ever done so and now they've got this money you know they're all sitting on you know relatively large piles of money and they're but but they're still you know they're only they're less than a decade i mean they they came out in what 69 you know, and and they're 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 big. They hit the big time in 1970. This is six years later. <laughs> okay, in six years they've they've had this rocket ride. You know, to to superstardom. I don't know about superstardom, but you know, I mean, they they created a genre of music for crying out loud. And uh, and yet, you don't you don't become a different person really in six years to the point where, and I, I, I'm not going to say it's imposter syndrome where, you know, they, they probably felt they didn't deserve it, but I guarantee you they, they felt a tremendous amount of pressure. Okay. And that's, that's kind of what he's talking about there. And, um, all right. So, uh, and that, will that have any bearing on my verdict? We'll see. We'll see in a minute. Uh, uh, next up is our artificial ignorance. This one's hilarious. Um, Chat GPT spit this out for Mississippi Kid. Mississippi Kid is a rock song by the American band Linder Skinner. It was released in 1974 as part of their second studio album, Second Helping. No, it wasn't. <laughs> the song features a fast-paced boogie rhythm and showcases the band's trademark dual guitar harmonies with lead guitarist Gary, Gary Rosenton, rhythm guitarist Ed King trading solos throughout the song. No, it didn't. <laughs> Mississippi Kid was not that. That part's right. It wasn't released as a single. Um, the song's lyrics tell the story of a young man from Mississippi who travels to the big city of New Orleans to pursue his dreams, but ended up getting caught in the fast life, losing himself along the way. No, it didn't. <laughs> it wasn't about going to New Orleans. It was about going to Alabama. Trivia-wise, the song is notable for being one of the few Leonard Skinner songs not to feature lead vocalist Ronnie Van Zant on lead vocals, instead featuring Ed, guitarist Ed King on lead vocals. No, it didn't. It was Ronnie Van Zant. 
Oh my gosh, ChatGPT, you are killing me. But that wouldn't be artificial ignorance otherwise, would it? All right, let's get to our Council of Learned Elders reviews. We're going to start with Artillo, and then we're going to go to Emo Sean, and then we're going to wrap it up with Jennifer. Okay, guys, take it away. Greetings, this is Artillo getting right into this list with you. At one, I would die for you, Prince. Man, Prince does a lot with one note. You know what? I like this song, but still, it gets a one on this list. It's a good list. Also, I know this is going to be controversial, but I like this statement better when Bruno Mars does it with Grenade. I like the darker twists there. What can I say? At two, Backstreet Kids by Black Sabbath. Man, when Sabbath does happy, watch out. I like this. It depresses me less than usual. <laughs> Also, there's a little lopsided thing they do on the line, roll away from me. It feels like a ball bouncing down the stairs, and I just think it's cute. I think that's what Emo Sean said he hates, but hey, I, I'm weird like that. At three, two minutes to midnight, Iron Maiden. These bass lines are everything. That bass is just under there doing whatever the heck it wants, and I'm just here for it. The spice is just right, and still fitting together perfectly, moving and holding still at exactly the right times. Guitar solos. Perfect. We start out with a kind of classic 80s to guitar bit in harmony, and there's that one out of place D major chord at the end of the first run before the modulation. So good. Then we take it down to the next section, that galloping E minor, and we've got a repeat of that intruding chord. Then we take the dynamic down even further. Last guitar solo section starts singing out over the bass, taking its time in a lyrical section, and the bass has gone down to one note after all that motion, and the drums, which have slowed all that frenetic movement, and then Filled with the drums, and now we're back to that bass running all over the place. Rhythm guitar sets in, and we go. What are, are we talking about here? I don't even know if I care. That bass is running this show for me. At four, Mississippi Kid. Of course, without question. I like me some variety in my stringed instruments. That extends to classical. But this is good on either porch and anywhere else for that matter. This would be a great crossover hit from country to bluegrass to rock, all run through the connective fish line of the blues. I'm in. Top 1000 radio listeners all over the globe. This is Emo Sean coming at you from an undisclosed location somewhere on the west coast of America the Beautiful. This five-song battle brings epicness. Number five, two minutes to midnight. Emo Sean's 64-ounce super big gulp of rock is full to overflowing. Iron Maiden can write a song criticizing nukes and impending doom and make you rock like there are plenty of tomorrows. Sneaksy they be. Number four, Mississippi Kid. Skinner! Emo Sean digs this tune. He likes any song with Mississippi in it. Ooh, the blues. Delta, Dirty South style. 
Hey Mo Sean, hasn't heard this song in quite a while. This type of music helps Southerners endure the humidity and mosquitoes. Number three, I Would Die For You, the purple one. The purple rain soundtrack, Emo Sean senior year soundtrack. For that, it gets three. Number two, Take Me Home, Emo Sean likes Phil Collins. He couldn't put it higher than two in this list. It actually beat out Sabbath, which is one of Emo Sean's foundational bands. Number one, Backstreet Boys, Backstreet Kids, Backstreet Kids. Emo Sean's first listen through brought him disappointment. Second time through, the verse started to grow on Emo Sean. The bridge with the keys and the chord structure just didn't appeal to Emo Sean. A bummer for Sabbath. Emo Sean shall return. Okay, this is Jennifer. I want to talk about my top five here, Take Me Home, Phil Collins. I didn't actually read uh, the list this time around. I just let it hit me without looking and played it in the car. And I'm so glad I did. When this song hit, wow, it just, it washes over me like the ocean. This was one of my favorite songs as a kid. It was in the sweet spot of my vocal range. It has that completely irresistible refrain, great harmony spots, plus all the other things I'm about to mention. But this is that one song that when it comes on in the car, everyone just has to stop talking until it's over. My house rules. I love everything about this song. That circular drum beat with the ghost notes, Phil's vocals, and look up those backing vocals. You know what they do. They do what they do, and it's just so effective here. When the guitar comes in on that one big chord, so simple, so perfect, and it brings in the beginning of low end that you didn't know you were missing yet. And he does it on, seems so long, I've been waiting. And then the layers just roll in. Take me home, cause I don't remember. It keeps that drone, that E flat pedal point, the entire song, except for one bit on the lyric, I've been a prisoner all my life. And then, from that E flat, it suddenly goes F minor, E flat over G, D flat, back to the F minor, and then we get back to the E flat. It only lasts for one lyric line, not four. It's such a departure and so abrupt, it just makes you feel it. This song is longing and joy at once. It's pleading, it's suffering, and it's rejoicing at the same time. It is the sweetness of homesickness, whether you've been there or not. They can turn off my feelings like they're turning off the light, but I don't mind. He's got complete awareness that they don't give him credit for, and he's made his own decisions hidden within it. Yeah, it's no surprise that it bears some resemblance to Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb, which I kind of wish I had been around for whenever it was reviewed on this list. You can argue both sides of this thing till the cows come home, but it doesn't matter because both are true. One uh, last interesting side note on the chorus there, Take Me Home. You can hear the harmony there, which happens to be the melody of the chorus of Homeward Bound by Simon and Garfunkel. Both of these phrases have a long pause over the unresolved four chord, and I say 
that force stays unresolved because when you get back to the major one, neither of the lyric lines have resolution. Phil Collins says, cause I don't remember. And Simon and Garfunkel say, I wish I was. What? Home. All right, now let's get to our polls. The uh, coleslaw, oh, let's do the challengers poll. Um, George Strait, I kind of, you know, threatened you guys with uh, turning myself into energy and enter, going through the microphone and entering your ears and riding a bull through your brain if you didn't pick uh, Amarillo by morning. Don't worry about it. You're fine. You're safe because uh, it was already on the list. Uh, okay. So, uh, again, in my defense, stone song list. So, uh, <laughs> it's going to happen again, I guarantee you. But it happened like two or three times in a row. But the big winner here uh, was Living Thing, ELO. It beat out uh, Survivor, Eye of the Tiger. And it will, so we're going to be replacing the, um, the loser here in a minute with living. Actually, no, we're going to be replacing yesterday's loser, which was, gosh, I don't know. I can't even remember. Do I have the paper? I think I mixed my papers up when I was looking for, I was looking for something. Uh, oh, we're going to get rid of a day in the life. Okay. And that's going to re- uh, living thing is going to replace that. All right. Okay. And so uh, the song battle itself, uh, the Council of Learning Elders, they came in big for two minutes to midnight. All right. It got 23 total points. And then in second place was Take Me Home with uh, 18 points. Third place was Mississippi Kid with 14 I would die for you in fourth place with 11 and coming in last was Backstreet Kids uh, with nine. And then our Coleslaw Congress, uh, gosh, it was a, well, okay, Take Me Home did win that one with three, three total points. Uh, It was a tie for second with two minutes to midnight and I would die for you. And then um, Mississippi Kid got the obligatory five because I didn't put it on the on the Instagram poll because it wouldn't let me. It only lets me put f- four songs. And ain't no way I'm pick- kicking Mississippi Kid off. All right, so the total of the Coleslaw Congress, those of you who are new to the show, the Coleslaw Congress, they are a combination of the Council of Learning El- Learned Elders, C-O-L-E, and the Censitorial Layman and Women, S-A-L-A-W, Coleslaw. And uh, the total... The winner would be Two Minutes to Midnight with 25, uh, Take Me Home with 21, Mississippi Kid with 19, I Would Die for You with 13, and Backstreet Kids bringing up the rear with 10. Okay, so what is my verdict? Well, my verdict is going to be the winner and getting a five points, getting five points is Mississippi Kid. Linda Skinner. Now, I know I said of the lyric of all the lyrics that those were the least. Uh, my least favorite uh, on the battle today, but the music makes up for it. The combination of the music and the lyrics make up for it. And that this one's got a huge nostalgia uh, bonus for me because, uh, you know, that, that was a song that, that really, you know, moving from Mississippi to California as a, as a 15 year old, 
um, you know, it gave me kind of a little bit of, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say swagger, but you know, it, it was, a it, it was kind of a, a, a lifeline of, of energy, of macho energy for me. And, uh, I actually did get in a fight over somebody turned it off and put on echo and the bunny men or some crap. And that cannot be, I cannot abide that. You know what I'm saying? Can't abide it. Uh, coming in second place with four points, two minutes to midnight. Again, fantastic song. The music is just unbelievable. Uh, the, the, the dueling guitar solos and the, just that middle, that middle section is just, you know, it could have, it could have been boring and kind of ponderous, but man, there's all kinds of cool stuff going on with the bass and the, and the two guitars and the drumming is just amazing. Um, great anthemic chorus, uh, and, and the, the subject matter I, I totally, I'm totally down with, um, you know, it's, uh, like, you know, I've been learning from Quinn, you know, what makes, uh, at, at, and volume for all, what makes a heavy metal song, a heavy metal song is, you know, extremes, uh, you know, talk subject matter has to be something pretty like deep and extreme. And this is talking about, you know, n- nuclear annihilation and, and, and just annihilation and war in general, and it's pretty, you know, pretty rough stuff. I mean, it fits that definition perfectly, and um, and so you know, I I like I said, I'm I'm about as anti-war today as I've ever been, and uh, and so those are you know those are some lyrics some some politicians probably ought to listen to, uh, and uh, so yeah, that's. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. Take Me Home gets the third place with three points. Uh, very nostalgic. Uh, you know, we we'd been living out here for about a year, and I was pretty homesick. You know, and uh, you know, I miss my you know naturally I miss my friends. Obviously, I miss my extended family. I got I've got dozen cousins, and more than a dozen actually, uh, and. Um, you know, I, this may sound weird, you know, as much as I miss my friends, which I did, and my extended family, I miss the land, okay? I know that sounds, maybe it doesn't sound weird to you, but um, the I just miss the, the, we had a, you know, fairly good-sized piece of property compared to what you get out in California, and I missed it. I missed, you know, we, we, we lived in a semi-rural area, where I could just walk out my front door and I could go, you know, we had a, you know, we had a nice size piece of land and we had this back uh, lot area that had a canal running down. And then we, you know, we built a bridge across the canal and then behind that was just open, open field, acres and acres and acres, hundreds of acres of open field, little, little levee with some tree, you know, with a wooded, you know, it, it just, I could go out there and spin, hours and hours just just walking around and and exploring and you know even though I knew <laughs> knew every inch of it like the back of my hand but I you know I could go on forever and uh and I was really missing missing all that when uh when Take Me Home came out and you know it didn't have anything to I mean I guess it it kind of does have something with 
something to do with homesickness, so that makes sense. All right, and then uh, fourth place with two points, I'm going to go with I Would Die For You, Prince. That's one of my favorite Prince songs. And in, in, in a, on another list, it could have easily been a five. Um, and like I said, I love the, you know, the lyrics, uh, the, you know, the, the, the kind of Christ, uh, point of view lyrics. And, uh, and so that leaves us with the loser and that is Backstreet Kids, uh, which again, on another list, it might've made it. Um, that's a, I like that song. It's from an album that's, uh, not well liked by a lot of people. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, maybe they should have made it Backstreet Kids with a Z. Maybe that would have been more more appealing to the kids. But here's the thing about that song. And it's something, you know, that, that uh, Quinn was talking about on uh, on in Volume For All. He was talking about Metallica and how they kind of, you know, I don't think he used the term sold out uh, on the Black Album in 1991. Um, but I see a lot of parallels between Black Sabbath and Metallica um, on Technical Ecstasy and the Black Album. Meta- uh, Black Sabbath was trying to get with the times. They were desperate, desperately trying to remain relevant. And, um, you know, they, like in the song notes, Iomi was trying to sound like Foreigner. He was trying to sound like Queen, or at least he said they needed to. Um, and they, you know, they were... He was worried about punk rock. Punk rock was, you know, was taking the the fans away from their type of music because punk rock was more raw. It was more, it had more energy. It maybe, maybe it felt more authentic. It had a, it had the political message that, you know, kids were, were looking for that kind of thing. And, you know, he just, when, when they're making an album, you know, you're as an artist, you don't know you don't know what it's going to be until it's until you made it and you may have an idea about what you want to make and how you want to make it and that kind of thing but you know the muse does what the muse does and if you're if you're trying to steer it in one direction or another you know gosh who knows what what you're going to find right so technical ecstasy was considered kind of a flop but for me it's got some really cool moments on it you know especially that uh it's all right and you know, I like this song. I like uh, Backstreet Kids. I think, I think uh, Ozzy's or whoever wrote the lyrics. I'm assuming it was Ozzy. I didn't see on the thing. You know, it, it, I think on the song information just said music and lyrics by Black Sabbath. But, um, you know, they're dealing with kind of the same thing that Metallica was dealing with in 1991, which is, okay, here we're famous now. We're this established band. We're a we're a big business really now. Um, now what you know we can't uh we can't position ourselves the same way we're not up and comers we're not scrappy climbers we we're we've made it <laughs> you know we're here so now now how do we how do we position ourselves so so like in, in 1991 you know Al, uh, Metallica had put out you know for me three three of the greatest albums of all time you know, uh, Ride the Lightning, Master Puppets, and, and Justice for All. Kill Em All was good, you know, especially for being the, you know, the opening uh, salvo, okay? But, I mean, Ride the Lightning was just, I mean, I can't even describe 
how that, how that album makes me feel. Okay. Uh, master of puppets and just for all, when I hear injustice for all, like, like after I listen to, you know, later Metallica and I've been kind of listening to that for a while. And then I go back and I, I, I'll just randomly hear an injustice for all song. It'll come up on my playlist or whatever. And I'm just like, golly, that's, that's so much better. <laughs> you know, it's like, why couldn't they keep doing that? And, and here's the deal. Okay. Metallica made a, a great album in 1991. The Black Album is a great album. Okay. At the time when it came out, I was disappointed in their direction, just like everybody, you know, all the other Metallica fans and just like, like Quinn. Uh, but I eventually grew to like it a lot. Okay. And maybe that's because I'm, I, I, by then I was no longer a metal only guy. You know, when I was in, uh, you know, junior high, especially I was metal only. I was like, uh, you know, after my brief surf rock phase, (laughs) I was like, you know, you know what metal metal's not just the best music. It's the only music (laughs) I used to argue, you know, that all that other stuff is just fake crap. It's not even real music. Metal is the real music, you know? Um, I don't, I don't know what my reasoning was there. Uh, but, but that's, that's how, how strongly I felt about it. Um, but by 1991, you know, I'm in my early twenties and I didn't, like I said, I didn't really like it at first. I'm, I knew it was going to be, I knew it was good. I didn't know it was going to be the monster, you know, selling album that it became, but but here, here, here's why, like, they changed, okay, in my opinion, my theory, in terms of their their lyrical direction, okay, because James was writing these scathing indictments of of everything, of everything, everything in the country. And then uh, on the Black Album, he's got, you know, something that, you know, can be construed as a fairly patriotic song, and uh, don't tread on me. Um, while they were making that, album the cold war was ending in fact it was probably it was over a couple of years before they made the album as soon as poland held free elections and got rid of the communist government um the cold war was pretty much over the berlin wall comes down cold war is pretty much over okay and in 1991 the soviet union goes out of business all right so writing about war as the cold war is ending and the threat of nuclear annihilation seems to be no longer a thing, something that the guys in Metallica, people, my age, we all grew up with, you know, we, every day of our lives growing up in the seventies and eighties, you, you had that over your head. The idea, I, and I think I've said on this program before I've had, I had nightmares as a kid about nuclear Holocaust and a lot of people did in our generation. Well, that was over. <laughs> that the war was over. Okay? And the the side that James seemed to be indicting in in those three albums seemed to have been vindicated. Now, you you may not agree with that, okay? And I'm not as confident in in that as I used to be, but it sure as heck seemed like they were vindicated. Okay. Uh, we won, we won the cold war. 
the Soviet Union went out of business, not us. Okay. And so how do you write about that? How do you write about war? How, what do you indict in 1991? You know what I mean? Like, who do you go after? I mean, we had the Gulf War. He could have written about that. But again, we won that. Everybody was so, you know, we had exercised the, you know, the demons of Vietnam and all that nonsense. Okay. Looking back on it now, you know, that was the beginning of something really, really bad for the country. Okay. But at the time when they were writing the record, that was all, you know, everybody was pretty, you know, upbeat about the whole thing. And, and so, you know, plus they were, they, they were rich men now. They were wealthy men and they were hanging out. They weren't hanging out with, you know, roadies at the, at the Roxy or the, well, they never really did. I don't think they ever played the Roxy or the Grizzaris or any of those, but you know, those old clubs that they used to play, they're not hanging out there. They're not, they're hanging out They're They're rubbing elbows with rich doctors and lawyers. And, you know, they've moved into neighborhoods where, you know, the schools are good. And you know what I mean? They're like, they're running with a different crowd now. Okay. And that's got to rub off on you, you know, and it made them, it, it, you call it soft, whatever you want to call it, but, or call it civilized. It made them civilized. Okay. So that doesn't mean, you know, they couldn't have found something, you know, to, to write about that was more, more in the metal uh, vein. But I, I think that's what happened to them. I think that, 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 um, you know, a lot of the things that they had been di- indicting about, you know, the war machine and the, you know, the, all that, uh, you know, they had this song, uh, was it blacken and talking about the blacklists or wait, uh, I might be mixing up my songs, but anyway, there was something about McCarthyism on, on injustice for all or master puppets. I forget which one, but you know, um, that, that was vindicated. You know, the Venona project came out when the Soviet union, and they didn't know this at the time, but they, you know, um, uh, eventually like right soon after that, um, we get access to KGB files where we learn that, okay, a lot of those people that McCarthy was, uh, he, but don't get me started on McCarthy. He, he didn't name names like people think he did. Okay. He named one name and, you know, and that guy was definitely a communist. Um, but the point is, is there were a bunch of communists in our, in our government and in the army and don't get me started on that. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, so that, that's just my, my take on, on that. So, um, so anyway, so our big winner is Mississippi kid. Our loser is backstreet kids, even though it's a good song. All right. Our challengers poll for the neck to replace, uh, backstreet kids is going to be, this one's, this one's going to be tough. I mean, good gracious. We got Toto Rosanna, all right, we've already got Toto on the list with Africa, and the Rosanna is their next big one. And then we got the Pretenders. I'm going to go with My City Was Gone in, you know, uh, in honor of Rush Limbaugh, the late Rush Limbaugh. And then we got Dire Straits, Sultans of Swing. Okay, the, the you know I've been waiting for them to come up, and uh, I got to make sure they're not on on the list. They might be, but um, but I, I they came up. All right, and then the next song battle will be uh, Your Love by The Outfield. I've been waiting for that one, okay? Um, Foolin' by Def Leppard. Midnight Special by Creedence Clearwater Revival. One by U2. And Stumblefoot by Tourniquet. Oh, poor Tourniquet. 
this was not a good this is not a good list for for Stumblefoot. Uh, but four monster songs that are you know culturally like cultural touchstones. All right, uh, but maybe some of you will enjoy Stumblefoot and might might rank it higher than some of the other four. We'll see. All right, and I'm excited to play us out with another Reckless Ways song. Um, This one is going to be... This is from the album Desperate Kiss, and uh, the name of this song is Yesterday's Fading Away. And I I found out, you know, um, I got in touch with uh, Minnie Mendez and asked him, because I had forgotten that one of my really good friends, uh, Mike, is... Uh, playing the drums on this so um yeah i always like this song so we're gonna play play you out with this one all right guys you guys have a good one my mind is clean (laughs) 